got a trip. The church that I go to is, is the river. I go there to wash everything away. I wish you were there drinking rum, crying your little eyes out. <laughs> this fly that my Uncle Jimmy and my grandpa perfected, they found it. They found the materials to tie it in the back of a taxi Down in Andros, they just tell you to bring gotchas. Don't bring anything else. When I was out there on the water with people, I was... I can feel the energy of other Definitely. people, and I care about it. I think that's one of the most crucial parts of fly fishing that often gets overlooked. You know, we're jet-lagged, lack of sleep, we're half drunk. Holding on to your nuts with one hand, you're holding on to the boat with the other hand. Shitting and tall cotton, dude. Man, this is what's going on in the world right now. You know, you're on a boat fishing down a beautiful river. Be deliberate with everything that you do yeah. with fly fishing. Yeah. Well, what do you do on your days off? I'm like, I'm on this boat. I'm rowing people down the river trying to figure out what's fishing. But I love it. I wouldn't change it for anything. I wouldn't trade it, man. It's awesome. Alrighty, guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Guided Trip Fly Fishing Podcast. This is Cameron Rhodes. I am here semi-quarantined in my house in Gunnison, Colorado. Um, the reason why I say semi-quarantined is because I have been getting out of the house, um, and I've been lucky enough to have some work, not guiding. Um, unfortunately, well, we can't really have guiding right now. We are not accepting any tourists here in Gunnison County. Um, so we can't guide, um, not an essential business and hopefully, you know, soon things will simmer down just a little bit and restrictions will lift just a tad, you know, obviously I'm trying to be as safe as possible and do everything by the book here. And it's been hard. It's been really tough. Um, I miss hanging out with certain people and fishing with certain people and doing things. But um, like I said, I've been lucky enough to be able to be working. And so I've had some contact with people, but um, making sure that I'm being safe again. Um, but I've been standing on a roof, um, putting sheet metal on roofs. Um, you know, it's, you got to do what you got to do. And during these times, you know, uh, guiding season for me, it doesn't go all year anyways. Um, you know, I usually have a couple trips in April, um, throughout April here and there, you know, there's some trips, but we don't get a whole lot of tourism and a whole lot of trips until, you know, summer really hits. And so, you know, right now for me, it's business as usual. Um, I'm just picking up jobs wherever I can. And as a fishing guide that's trying to make it and trying to support my habit and be able to buy gas and, you know, fly tying material and this and that, you know, I got to be able to, and pay my rent, I guess. Um, I got to be able to have a job. And so I'm, I'm picking up whatever I can. Um, and you know, it's been working out for me, which has been good. I know that's a tough thing. You know, I mean, as a fishing guide, you, a lot of guys don't want to find real jobs. It's just the way it is. Um, but for me, in my circumstances, I have to be able to work. Um, so that's what I've been doing. Uh, I've been getting out and fishing as much as I can here and there, just keeping it under the radar. Um, I haven't been telling many people where I've been going or what I've been doing or what I've been throwing, just keeping it really under the radar right now. You know, a lot of people are out there on the water with no jobs. Everyone's outside recreating and it's busy. Um, it's, you know, I'd, I've, I've had this moral dilemma in my head for, you know, at least a month now, or I guess a couple weeks now. Um, I haven't quite been in Gunnison for a month yet. Well, maybe I have, I don't know. No, I don't think I have. Um, but you know, it's like, it's almost to the point where are we 
are we loving this river to death right now? Um, you know, just people everywhere, everyone's fishing, everyone's out. Any nice day we have, people are on the water, boats are on the water. I mean, people are fishing. And so, um, I'm trying to, again, stay under the radar and just try and, you know, get to some areas people aren't thinking about. Luckily for me, you know, I got some experience here in this place and experience on different rivers, creeks, different watersheds around here. And so I have options. Um, but you know, getting out, it's been, it's been interesting. You know, I've been out with Dane a couple times and just walk weighted and it's been fun. You know, I, I I mean, Dane's my go-to fishing buddy and, um, I love fishing with that guy and we've done some walk wades and just kind of, you know, tried to make sure we're staying apart a little bit and make sure that we're, we're being smart about the situation. It is, it's interesting and it's definitely going to change how the future goes for sure. Um, but when I have been out, you know, the fishing has been good, um, usually April is really good. Um, a lot of people don't know that about this fishery. And if you want to come and, and book a trip, you know, next April and be up here fishing next April, this, this fishery is outstanding during the month of April. Um, besides like towards the end of April, we're getting close here. It's starting to warm up a little bit. Luckily we've had some some cold nights and cold days to slow that runoff just a little bit and hold that water. But usually April is an outstanding month to be out here fishing. And if you want, you can go on my website, theguidedtrip.com. Patrick Blackdale wrote an article on there. Um, I, I believe it's under blog and it's average snowpack means excellent fishing, I believe is the title of it. I also have a 2020 forecast on my website, which talks about each month and how each month is going to fish and what we can look forward to for the month. Um, but a lot of people just, they don't know that April is a great month to be out here and be fishing. You know, most of the time I've been out, I've been throwing a lot of dry flies and I, I've been catching fish, you know, fish are coming up and they're eating. And as long as you know where to look, Um, the fish will come up and eat and then just a lot of nymphing as well. Um, you know, I get, I get a little sick of watching a bobber all day. And so that's why I'll throw those dry flies and you can definitely be more productive on a nymph rig. I mean, I watched Dane maybe a week ago, probably catch 20 fish in a matter of, you know, 20 minutes or less. And I mean, he was just roping them in and you know, I'm, I'm not, I was throwing some dries and just trying to, you know, I guess at the time I was nymphing and I just wasn't in the right spot. You know, right now the water's low and the fish are holed up in certain areas. And once you find that area, then yeah, you can pinpoint them and you can, you can knock them dead. Um, once that sun comes up a little bit, heats that water, heats that air, you'll start seeing a couple more bugs come off and that's when I break out the dry fly and, you know, just have some fun. I mean, I can't watch bobber all day. And so I like to challenge myself a little bit and throw those small dries and see if I can tease up a couple of fish. And it's been fun. Um, all, all the other places I've been going, you know, I've been throwing dry dropper and it's been working really well. Just small dry, small mayfly dry to small dropper, just one dropper. And um, it's been a lot of fun. And so, you know, if I can, I'll get out and fish. Yeah, this weekend doesn't look half bad. Um, and uh, so I'll try and get out and probably do a little fishing, do a little hiking, you know, and just check some things out. But um, I was talking to somebody on Instagram, um, and they gave me a couple ideas about some things to talk about, but you know, what are guides doing during quarantine? You know, how or how are guides getting through this? You know, there's a lot of stuff on the internet right now about certain guides and how they're getting through and, um, even fundraisers and stuff. And that's great. Good for them. Um, 
you know, I'm not going to talk too much about it. I I recorded a, a large rant a while ago about it. Um, I guess a couple of weeks ago when I was heading back from Texas, I recorded a rant about me talking about this whole, you know, these fundraisers and stuff, but I'm not going to go into it. But I can speak for me, what I'm doing. I can't speak for other guides. I know a lot of guides are out there fishing and, you know, they're, um, they're doing what they know how to do. Um, and they're having a good time doing it, you know, again, I can't speak for them all. Um, but you know, as guides, we're still going to fish, you know, we're going to be out there fishing. I told you what I was up to, you know, I fish here and there, and then I got to go to work. Um, I got to make some money and put some money in the bank and be able to pay bills and pay rent and everything. So I've been finding odd jobs and whatever I can and just getting done whatever I can. So to start, that's what I've been doing for work. Um, again, I'm speaking for myself, not for other guides here. But, um, you know, around the house here, when I do have those days off, I mean, I'll have, you know, three, four, five days off, depending on, on work. And what I've been doing, <laughs> it's been pretty entertaining for me, you know, as I mean, where I'm at in Gunnison, I'm away from everybody. I have a house on some land here and I'm, you know, I don't own it. I'm renting it. Um, but I'm able to get away from everybody. And, you know, this is my normal thing. Um, I basically sit at home alone, you know, I'll work all day, come home alone, make some dinner, drink a couple beers and pass out. Um, but on my days off, you know, this is business as usual for me. I hang out alone at my house and, um, I get chores done, do whatever I need to do. Um, I've been tying a lot. I, I normally tie a lot during this time of year. Um, normally I'm, I'm doing some other work this time of year. I've been working at restaurants, you know, in years past or helping buddies out with jobs. I need to get rid of this chew. All right. Sorry guys. Had to, uh, ditch my Copenhagen there. It was getting too hard to talk. go ahead and chase it down with some beer. Um, but no, during my days, um, I guess fly fishing related, We since this is a fly fishing podcast, we can talk about fly fishing related things I've been doing. Um, I put my boat together the other day. You know, I'm not sure when I'm going to be able to get on the water with people and float, you know, just being able to social distance. Um, I'm not sure when that's going to be when I feel comfortable and when it feels morally right for me to be able to do that. But I did get my boat together and cleaned it up, got it for the most part where I want it, um, and covered it. You know, it's always a process, um, putting the boat together. I did post a time lapse on Instagram. It was kind of fun. I was just having some fun with it and it's probably not that entertaining, but, um, I posted a time lapse of me putting my boat together and it is a lot of work. I mean, there's a lot of work involved in putting that boat together and getting it the way you want it and making sure that things aren't pinching or, you know, all your straps are where you want them and they're certain tightness. So then when you pump it up to, you know, the firmness you want, that those straps are going to sit right. And, um, I mean, there's a lot to it. Uh, so I wanted to do just a time-lapse just to show people, you know, this isn't just a, Oh, my boat's ready. Um, at least for me, cause I own a raft with a fishing frame. So I don't have the luxury of the drift boat where I don't have to pump it up and I don't have to put it together. Um, and that's a whole nother podcast about drift boats versus rafts. But, um, you know, I, I got my boat put together and that was one thing I did, you know, that was, that felt good. I was like, all right, you know, it feels like spring. I'm putting my boat together, you know, whether I use it or not right now, you know, it's put together, it's ready to rock and roll and it's good to go. There's still some other things I need to do, you know, get my big boat box put together with everything I need in it, all my PFDs and my pump and, um, all my, my anchor line and my throw bags and everything I got to get put together. I got to get it all in one spot. So I'm not quite ready to float. Um, I got to get some more gear 
uh, just organized and know where I have it. It's just, it's always a process at the beginning of the year, putting your boat together and then going for that first float and trying to make sure everything's the way you want it. And there's a lot of, you're always moving stuff and trying to put it where you like it and where it was last year. Oh, I remember I like this over here. Oh, I need this strap to be like this, whatever. There's always a lot of manipulation and uh, you, you make a lot of changes on that first float of the year. And so I've, I've, I've gotten it close where I know where most of my straps go and how I like it. And then once I go to put in, it's all, it's going to be a process trying to get it all exactly how I like it. And it might take, you know, maybe three or four floats before I go, all right, this is exactly where I want this boat. It feels tight. This is exactly how it needs to be. Um, but for the most part, I got the base set, um, and I got the base exactly where I want it for the most part, I'd say. And then I'll just kind of do some minor tweaks here and there. So putting the, the boat together was a big step for me. And like I said, it just makes you feel like springs here and it's coming and we're going to be floating here. I, I wish I was floating more again. That's just kind of my my where I sit on my morals and how I'm feeling about it and making sure I'm being safe and everyone is safe around me um, other than putting my boat together you know I've been doing a lot of organizing I haven't been organizing my fly tying gear I definitely have not been organizing any of that I've actually been tearing it apart um, I'm down to, I've been doing a lot of inventory on what I have. And I mean, I guess hooks and bead wise and what I can tie and what I can't tie without having to order. Or if I need to go locally, what do they have? I can't go in the store locally. Gene Taylor's, I can always call and order, um, but I don't know what they have, which is tough. So, um, I've been doing a lot of inventory of what I do have and what I can make out of it. So I have certain bins and everything where my hooks and my beads sit and they live. And I've been doing inventory on that and basically figuring out, okay, well, I got these hooks, I got these beads. Um, for material wise, I pretty much have everything I need, you know, feathers, hackle, blah, blah, blah. Material wise, I, I have a lot of stuff to make flies. Um, it's just a matter of hooks and what I want to tie. Obviously right now I'm not thinking I need to be tying a bunch of tailwater stuff or a bunch of fall or September flies, you know, super small, but it's gotten to that point where going through my inventory, I'm like, Oh man, okay. I got a 50 pack of these 22s that are light wire scuds. Maybe I should be tying some small midges, you know, maybe I should be, and I'm just trying to fill boxes is what I've been doing. I've been looking at what I have and trying to make do with what I got. Um, it's, it's, it's actually kind of funny. This just popped in my head, but, um, growing up, my dad, you know, he was a, a one of a kind cook. It's, they're hard to find these days, but, um, he was a cook that was, uh, shit you find in your kitchen. And that's, he wanted to make a TV show one day where it was like, not one day, he's wanted to make a TV show his whole life about this, but it's called shit you find in your kitchen. And basically you go find random shit in your kitchen and you make a meal out of it and you make a gourmet meal out of it. And he was always good at that. Sometimes they turned out and you're like, wow, this is excellent. Sometimes they were terrible and you didn't want to tell him, but he knew it was bad, but he ate it because it was shit you find in your kitchen. You know, it wasn't like we grew up with a lot of money and, you know, we could just make whatever and do whatever we wanted or order out all the time. And so sometimes you had to just go into the kitchen, rifle through the cupboards and see what's in there and come up with ideas with what I want to make. All right, I can make casserole out of this, or I could do this, or I could make this. And, um, you know, that's the way I grew up thinking about things that way. You know, this is what I have. What can I make with what I have right now? Um, 
and that's what I've been doing fly tying where it's like, all right, this is what I got for hooks and beads right now. Um, what can I make out of this? You know, for the most part, again, I don't have to worry about materials. I got a ton of materials, but I look at my hooks and I go, okay, what do I need and what can I make? Um, all right, I need this. All right. Well, I know I'm going to need a bunch of WD forties for later in the year, or if I fish tailwater, if there's a big flush and I'm going to be up at the Taylor CNR fishing tailwater, I need WD forties. I need small midges. I need, I, I can use these light wire scud hooks and make a bunch of midges or whatever, just fill boxes. Um, right now, there's nothing that's a terrible priority for me because I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen this year. Obviously we're going to get high water in May and then right after May comes June is that's on a calendar, May and then June. Um, but, uh, June, there's a certain amount of bugs that I use or a certain type of bug that I use a lot And so I'm trying to ramp up that and I've tied as much as I can of those, given my hooks, given my beads. And then, all right, it's like, all right, what am I going to use throughout the year that I'm going to need a lot of? Okay. Hoppers. I'm going to need a lot of hoppers and chubbies of different sizes, chubby Chernobyls of different sizes. So I'm going through my hooks looking for, all right, I, I got this many. I can tie this many. All right, let's allocate a certain amount for, let's say, Pat's rubber legs. Because I use a nymph hook for my chubby Chernobyl. So I don't use a dry fly hook. I use a nymph hook for my chubby Chernobyls. And so I go, all right, well, I got number 10s. How many number 10s do I got? Okay, I got, uh, you know, two dozen number 10s. All right, well, let's tie like eight hoppers. And then the rest I'm going to tie into Pat's rubber legs, you know, same hook. I'll tie, you know, what is that? What did I say? Eight hoppers. So then I'm going to have two dozen. Why I can't do the math. 16. Is that correct? I believe so. Um, 16 Pat's rubber legs in different colors. You know, I just kind of go through my hooks and decide what do I need and how can I you know, distribute these evenly where I know I'm going to have a certain amount to start the year. Um, and yeah, there's online ordering and stuff, which is great. You know, given the, uh, the certain fly shop, you can do some great online ordering and get your hooks. For me, I'm doing, um, shit you find in your fly tying box, just like shit you find in your kitchen. And I'm basically just looking at it and trying to decide what I can do how to fill boxes. I know I got a ton of dry fly hooks, so I've been tying a ton of dry flies, all different types of dry flies, and I've been focusing on dry flies that I like and I tie a lot and I know I fish myself. Because what happens is I run out a a lot of flies that I fish myself where I'm like, I like to fish these. And I I know I'm going to throw some flies in the bushes. I'm going to break off some fish. I'm going to break them off in trees or on the bank, or I'm going to break them off setting too hard because I'm an idiot and want to set too hard on a dry fly. It happens. Um, So I've been ramping up my production of what I like to fish and what I like to fish with clients as well. Um, A lot of those go hand in hand. If I like to fish them a lot, then... I probably like to fish them with my clients a lot. I like to make it easy. You know, I I have a lot of staple bugs that I throw. I don't get too fancy with a lot of different things. If it's too fancy, sometimes I'll just buy it. But I try and break it down and look at it and go, okay, well, this is a bug that I'm confident in and I throw it with clients and I throw it myself and I throw it on a consistent basis. So I'm going to ramp up production on that. What do I need and what can I make these hooks into? So I like to kind of go through my fly boxes and go, all right, what do I need? Okay, I need this amount of this dry fly. 
because I hate sitting up. You know, this is a great time for me as a guide to catch up on all my summer fly tying right now. If I'm not working and I got days and days and days where I can hang out and tie flies, um, I can catch up on my summer fly tying. Because what happens is I'll go on a trip and I'll lose a certain amount of flies and then I'll go, oh man, now I need to go home and tie these flies before I go to bed. So I'll tie half a dozen or a dozen flies before I go to bed, drink a couple of beers while I'm doing that, then pass out, wake up, and then I use those flies during the day. Then the next day I'm like, okay, I need to ramp up again. I need to tie more flies, same fly. I need to tie more of them. So right now, my production for fly tying is tying is like excessive amounts. Excessive amounts so that I can get through an entire season is my goal right now. Is to be able to try to get through the entire season with the flies I tied during this shutdown. So sometimes I'll tie a dozen of a certain fly and be like, oh, that's probably good. I'm probably good there. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. And then I'll, then I'll start thinking about it. I'm like, I'm not good with that. I'm, I fish this fly a lot and I need more. I need a lot more of this. And then I think back from years past, I'm like, okay, well last year I tied four dozen of this fly and I only used a dozen. Okay. So I'm probably good. I don't need to tie any more of that fly. Um, you know, I tied some dry flies yesterday that, um, yesterday was Thursday. I'm recording this today, Friday night. Um, I tied some dry flies that, you know, there's just a, it's for a hatch. There's only one hatch that we get where I, it's a green drake hatch and I tie a certain fly for it. And I like tying the fly because it's a really creative fly. And so I think I tied, I think I tied nine of them yesterday, but I I can go through my boxes and be like, well, I've never used six of these flies and I just tied nine more. Um, so that was kind of excessive to the point where it was like, well, I didn't need to do that. I kind of wasted time tying those flies because I still had some. I didn't need to do it, but it was nice to take my mind off a couple other flies and tie something a little bit more creative where it takes, you know, just get those creative juices flowing just a tad. Um, but I know that I probably don't need to tie any more of those. It's good to have on hand, but I probably don't need to tie any more. Um, and I only use one size of them anyways. And so then I started working on a caddis pattern and I was like, all right, well, I tied, you know, while I was in Texas, I tied a bunch of 14s in this pattern. So I'm going to tie some 12s, just give a bigger look in case clients can't see it or whatever, in case the fish are hit on a bigger size, a 12 or whatever. Um, makes, you know, who knows? Um, so I tied up, I think I tied up a dozen of 12s of this caddis and I'm like all right well I fish this caddis all the time so I need to crank out more of these and I got a bunch of hooks I got a bunch of 12s and a bunch of 14s so I should probably tie a bunch more and I started thinking about it and I was like all right well how many caddis patterns do I actually throw with clients or with myself maybe two I won't lie to you maybe two um and so I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to crank out these then. I don't need to tie any more dry flies with this hook size. I'll probably just use this and tie caddis patterns, just the caddis that I throw. That's the thing is like, I was thinking about it yesterday. Um, and I was sitting down thinking about it. And I go, man, you know, how many different caddis patterns are out there in the world? How many different caddis? I mean, could we say 40, 50 different patterns? Probably, yes. How many do I throw? I just said two. Um, I'm sure there's 
given times for certain caddis patterns, I'm, sur- I'm, I'm sure that there's times where other caddis patterns work better or they've seen different. But what I have seen with the patterns that I tie that I know it's the only pattern for me and I don't need to change it. All I need to change is size and color. So I just tie those patterns. Um, I'm not going to tell you exactly what they are because that's what you pay for on a guided trip for the knowledge. Um, so I'm not going to tell you exactly what patterns I was tying, but it's just interesting to me that there's hundreds and thousands of different patterns out there when they all break down to one pattern, you know, most people know the L care caddis. That's a very simple pattern. The L care caddis. It's a great pattern. It's tried and true. It works. It's the pattern. It works the way. I like to fish. It doesn't work the way I like to fish it. So I don't tie the classic L care caddis. I tie some different caddis patterns, um, that work for me and the way I fish them and the way my clients fish them and they float a little higher. They're a little bit easier to see. So I focus on that a lot with my mayflies, my betis dries, things like that. I only tie a couple different patterns. So it's like, well, I'm just going to crank up that because I can tie them in different colors and tie them in different sizes. And they're going to do the same thing. Um, I, I tied some stimulators yesterday. I, t- I tied all kinds of shit just to fill boxes. And then I kept looking back and I'm like, well, how often do I fish these? Not that often. Okay. Well, I'm going to do this. It's almost like the pheasant tail for me where it's like, all right, well, this is the pheasant tail of dry fly fishing for me. This is the bug that will always catch fish every time. Again, not going to tell you what it is. Sorry. Um, but that's the shit you pay for. Um, so that was a good, pretty good rant there about my fly tying. But I've been looking through my boxes and deciding what bugs do I need that I can tie and I have the hooks for that I fish a fair amount. So I go priority first and then I start thinking about some ex- kind of obscure bugs that I don't fish that often, but I know work occasionally. You got to have a whole arsenal, honestly, um, because sometimes they might be keying in on a BLM, which stands for beaded little mayfly, in gold or natural color, and they're not keying in on a pheasant tail. Maybe it's just that color. Maybe it's the profile. You know, a BLM and a pheasant tail have pretty much the same profile, But it might be color, it might be flash, it might be all kinds of stuff. So you got to have a big arsenal. So I like to go through my fly box and think priority first. All right, here's my priority bugs. I need Pat's rubber legs. I need worms. I need this. I need prince nymphs. I need um, hot wire princes. I need this. I need that. And then I start going through and start thinking about the other bugs where it's like, okay, well, I've caught a lot of fish on this bug at this point in time. And so I'll start going through those. Okay. What bugs can I tie? What hooks do I have? What beads do I have? Okay, cool. I can tie this. Um, and I'll just kind of go on a rampage for a minute and just start tying a bunch of hooks. And I know I've talked about it before on other podcasts, but what I'll do is I'll pull out, um, when I go to tie, let's say I want to tie, um, just for shits and giggles, let's say just a pheasant tail. I'm going to tie a pheasant tail on a size 16. What I'm going to do when I pull those hooks out and I got my size 16 hooks sitting in front of me, whether they're beaded or not, what I'll do is I'll start with six hooks and I'll pull six hooks out of the package and I'll put them next to my vise or on my vise stand And that way I have to tie at least six because the hooks are already out. I'm anal that way and I don't like hooks just sitting around. So if I pull out six, I got to tie six. That's the way it goes for me. And that helps me. Maybe it'll help you guys. Um, If I pull six hooks out and I want beads, then I'll pull out six beads and I'll put all the beads on the hooks and get them ready where it's like, all right, now everything's ready. The hard part's done. Now all I got to do is tie them. Um, 
And sometimes I'll pull out a dozen hooks and I'll pull out six beads. And I'll go, all right, I want six beaded, six non-beaded. And that helps me set a goal for myself when I'm fly tying. It sets a goal. Um, pretty big rant there about some fly tying stuff. I don't need to, I guess, keep going on about the fly tying. But again, we'll just kind of sum it up. I like to set priorities. And I also like to tie with shit you find in your kitchen. Um, just tie with what you got. You know, you don't need the latest and greatest. You don't need all the right materials you can substitute for certain things. You can do, you know, find what you have and make a masterpiece or gourmet meal out of it. Think about it that way. That's a great way. Wow. That just came to my head. Shit, you find in your kitchen, find, make a gourmet meal out of your fly tying gear and uh, make some cool flies. And most likely you're going to work. You're going to catch fish. But tie what you know first, you know, tie the best best flies you're going to fish all the time. Tie your confidence flies, tie the flies that you know are a priority, and then you can start branching off. Um, but other than that, you know, I've, again, I've been doing, yeah, a lot of fly tying, but I've been doing all kinds of stuff. I've been doing some hiking, um, just checking out new areas. I've been doing a lot of scouting on Google Maps and Onyx and just looking for new water. Um, I've been practicing my cast at home. I've been organizing my shit, trying to organize as much as I can. I've been trying to basically, usually the spring is a time for gearing up for me. We're like, if I can get everything I need in order, then I don't have to be stumbling around looking for crap all the time that works better for me um, if I can have it all in order where it needs to be I've been just doing a full inventory of everything I have especially as a guide where it's like all right I'll make lists but like okay I need this tippet this year I need this I need to buy new lines I need this I need that and I'll kind of make a list of everything I could use for the year or everything I need for the year or everything I want um, and just do a big inventory. And I've just been kind of trying to clean up some things and get some things dialed in. Most of it is fly tying. Um, From a fly fishing guide perspective, a lot of it's fly tying and just organizing your gear and making sure you know where it all is. It's always a disaster, especially float fishing, trying to find all your stuff and put it all together. But so a lot of that, um, I'll move on to another subject here, but yeah, working on my cast at home, you know, I built one of those, um, out of an old rod and some rope you can find it on ginking gasoline. I think I actually put up a blog post on my website too, about how to build, um, one of these casting, uh, instruction. It's not really instruction. It just helps your cast a little bit work on your cast at home, I think is what it's called. Um, but I show you how to build it and it's basically just like a rope attached to two walls with a fly rod hanging off some PVC and you can work on your cast. Um, I've been doing that. My internet is real shitty out at my house. It's terrible internet, um, satellite internet. And so, I FaceTime people when I can. I FaceTime buddies when I can, drink some beers with them. But usually there's a huge lag in uh, what's going on. It'll take maybe five to ten seconds for me to hear what they're saying. And then it'll take five or ten seconds for me to hear what them to hear what I'm saying. And it goes back and forth. I just drink some beer and uh, try and catch up with everybody. But uh, I've been talking to my old man quite a bit, my dad, and um, he's trying to get some projects going and get some writing going. And so we're trying to think of some projects for the blog, for the podcast, and uh, hopefully get that going. He's been struggling with writing, and so I've been trying to help him out, come up with ideas for writing and maybe writing for the blog and trying to come up with different fishing stories because he's got a ton of stories. I mean, this guy traveled the country and different places fishing for all kinds of different species with a fly rod or not. And so he's got a 
ton of stories. I mean, he was a trout bum in Montana, Wyoming, New Mexico for a long time. And so I've been trying to get him to come up with some good ideas and good stories and send me some photos and different things that would um, bring some light, you know, and bring some inspiration to some people. And uh, he gives me inspiration. And so I've been talking to him as much as I possibly can about certain things and just how to get this thing running during these times and, and keep doing podcasts and keep people informed and try to have original ideas and do with everyone on social media right now, it's hard to have original ideas. That's for sure. But, um, I'm, I'm trying to keep positive and trying to keep some good light going on this situation. And again, for me, it's different. It's just business as usual. You know, I'm kind of doing the same thing besides the fact that I can't go hang out with friends or, you know, see him at the bar or go float with friends. And so, um, that's, that's about the, the hardest part right now is just not seeing people and doing my normal routine of floating and fishing and, you know, um, socializing at the bar or whatever. I know I talk about drinking, but you know, uh, that's how you, that's usually where people meet up. So been doing that. Well, I haven't been doing that, but I miss that. What else have I been doing? I wish I could do a time lapse of just me around my house and what I'm doing. I wish I had like four different cameras set up because it's it's pretty entertaining. Um, you know, my house isn't huge, and so I I do a lot of pacing and walking around and trying to gain inspiration just by walking around my house and trying to see different things and see all different angles and try and figure out what to do. Again, it's just shit you find in your kitchen and try and make something of it. And so I do, I I do a lot of pacing and walking around. Um, I have, I, I pulled out a, I got a little camping table and I pulled it out and I set it in front of my TV this is going to sound really lame, but I set it in front of my TV and put all my fly tying gear that I needed for the moment on that little camping table and sat at that little camping table in front of my TV and watched Netflix and Tide Flies. I'm a guy like, I mean, I can listen to music and listen to podcasts and Tide Flies, you know, no problem. I'm, I'm, pretty good at that but you know it depends on the lighting as well and so where my tv is sitting in my house I have really good natural light and so I have I've sometimes I sit in my chair and tie some flies I, I got a little lazy board chair in there and I'll sit in there and I got a little cardboard box that I set up with my vice and everything it's kind of entertaining um it's actually a Sims waiter boot box and I put my Renzetti tool caddy on it, my vice, and I grab a couple of materials and I'll just tie flies on that and sit in the lazy boy right in front of the window while I got good natural light. Well, it was hurting my back and so I decided I should probably pull out a real chair and so I pulled out my camping table and sat it in front of the TV and... um you know, sometimes I just need to watch something and take my mind off of it. Instead of just listening to something, I, I need that visual stimulation at times while I'm tying flies. I'm, for whatever reason, I need something going on while I'm tying flies. I need the TV going or a podcast on the radio going or on my speaker going, or I need music going, but it's all about moments. You know, what moment, how do I feel in the moment? Do I need to watch TV? Do I want a podcast going? Do I need this? Um, and so it's all about just moments. You know, sometimes I I have all these brilliant ideas about flies I want to tie and I get, start getting creative and I pull everything out to tie those flies. And then I just sit down and I go, I don't really want to tie that fly anymore. It's just the moment, you know, you got to get in the moment and don't, don't force it. You know, I, I definitely have to force some fly tying at times just for guiding and certain flies I need, but don't force it. Um, moral of the story is I've been doing a lot of tying. Um, 
<laughs> and fishing here and there and working here and there. You know, I, I just wanted to kind of sit down and express what I've been doing and how I've been getting through and what I've been thinking about. And, you know, if we go more into the mental aspect of this, you know, I've been trying to think positive and trying to, uh, assume that we're going to have a guiding season this year. And if we don't, you know, that's going to be tough, but I'll, I'll, we'll get by, you know, I'll get by, I'll, I got to find a job, you know, and I'll, I'll find work wherever I can. Um, it's just the way it is, you know, it's the way it always has been for me. You know, I, I can't guide 365 days out of the year as much as I want to. I've been trying to, I've been working towards that, but it's tough. So I got to find other work and, you know, if this season goes that way, then yeah, I'll find other work and it, it, it's not exactly what I want to be doing all the time, but I wish I could fish bum it and just live in my truck and just fish bum it. But unfortunately that's not the case, uh, for me at least I can't be doing that. So I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out. And so I've been trying to think positive and hoping that everything is going to work and we're going to have a guide season, fishing season, tourist season for everybody in the county, for everybody, you know, in the country. And, you know, hopefully tourism will work out and we're going to be able to get back on track here soon. But, you know, for me, the way I think, I never think the glass half full. I never think the glass half empty. It's always, hey, I got to think of all scenarios. I got to think of it being full and I got to think of it being empty and trying to figure out how to get by like that. Um, there's, you, you got to look at the big picture and, and understand all scenarios. That way you have a plan A, plan B, plan C. And I do that a lot with my guiding too. You know, I try and have all different plans set up in case something happens or, um, water clarity, or there's too many people or certain bugs are hatching, you know, you got to have a lot of different plans for what you need to do. And so that's what I've been thinking about a lot lately. Just what are my plans and how I'm going to execute those plans come the time. And I'm going to have a lot of different plans set in place in case certain things don't work out. Um, you know, and i Again, I want to think positive and hope that it all works out. Everything's going to be okay. And um, we're going to be guiding this year. Everyone's going to be guiding. Everyone's going to be traveling. Everyone's going to make money. Um, It's going to be, you know, it might be a short season this year, but we can't do anything about it besides just keep social distancing as much as we can, I guess. Um, Staying away from people, making sure everybody's healthy, making sure everybody's safe. And, um, that's about all we can do, man. I mean, you know, this idea came from someone I was talking to on Instagram. I don't want to say any names just cause I don't know how they feel about it, but I was talking to somebody and they go, you know, you should talk about what you're doing and what guides are doing to get through this. And this is what I'm doing. Um, I've explained a lot about what I'm up to and kind of my day to day routine, you know, and, um, I wake up early, I, you know, have some coffee, make some coffee, look outside, see what the weather's looking like. Still, still early in the year. I got a couple hours before anything warms up. And so I'll have my coffee and, um, you know, get on social media and read a little bit and, um, see what's going on in the world, see what my friends are up to, try and get some inspiration, get some things going. I try not to stay on social media too much just cause it's, it's bad for your health. I got to believe that. I mean, beer is probably bad for your health. So is tobacco. So is nicotine, all that. But, you know, social media might be worse. Um, And I don't know. I mean, it's just the way I'm getting through it and I'm trying my best. And I hope everyone out there is doing well. They're trying their best. They're trying to think outside the box and they're staying healthy and making sure that uh, their family's healthy and everything's going the way. They needed to go right now, but again, you know, just try and be creative, try and find some shit in your kitchen and make a, uh, make something out of it, make a gourmet meal out of it. If you're fly time, 
shit you find in your kitchen, your fly tying table and all the things you have there. That's your kitchen. Um, and use it, find random ingredients and find what you got and make something out of it that you know, or don't know. And that'll help get you through a little bit and fill your boxes. It'll be interesting to see what people, uh, how people come out of this. And it's been interesting to watch how people are getting through it right now. And so for me, this podcast right here is just, uh, me expressing some of my thoughts and how I feel and how I'm getting through it. I feel like I'm talking to everybody right now and I feel like everyone's listening, hopefully, and we're going to figure it out and we're going to get through it. Um, so we're going to end this podcast right here. I didn't realize it was 51 minutes of me ranting. Um, but, uh, thanks for listening to the guided trip fly fishing podcast. Follow us on Instagram, uh, the guided trip at the guided trip. Uh, you can always email us the guided trip at gmail.com. If you got anything to say, question, comments, concerns, anything, if you want to bitch me out, go for it. Um, you know, email me, I'll accept it. Um, I might post it even. So, uh, let me know what you guys think and I uh, hope everyone's safe. Hope everyone's doing well and hopefully we can get back to normal here soon, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs>